0: The Liberation of a People's Vital Energies by Woodrow Wilson This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by The Progressing America Project The Liberation of a People's Vital Energies No matter how often we think of it, the discovery of America must each time make a fresh appeal to our imaginations. For centuries, indeed from the beginning, the face of Europe had been turned towards the east. All the routes of trade, every impulse and energy, ran from west to east. The Atlantic lay at the world's back door. Then, suddenly, the conquest of Constantinople by the Turk closed the route to the Orient. Europe had either to face about or lack any outlet for her energies. The unknown sea at the west at last was ventured upon, and the earth learned that it was twice as big as it had thought. Columbus did not find, as he had expected, the civilization of Cathay; he found an empty continent. In that part of the world, upon that new found half of the globe, mankind, late in its history, was thus afforded an opportunity to set up a new civilization here it was strangely privileged to make a new human experiment never can that moment of unique opportunity fail to excite the emotion of all who consider its strangeness and richness A thousand fanciful histories of the earth might be contrived without the imagination daring to conceive such a romance as the hiding away of half the globe until the fullness of time had come for a new start in civilization. A mere sea captain's ambition to trace a new trade route gave way to a moral adventure for humanity. The race was to found a new order here on this delectable land, which no man approach without receiving, as the old voyagers relate, you remember, sweet airs out of woods aflame with flowers and murmurous with the sound of pellucid waters. The hemisphere lay waiting to be touched with life, life from the old centers of living, surely but cleansed of defilement, and cured of weariness, so as to be fit for the virgin purity of a new bride. The whole thing springs into the imagination like a wonderful vision, an exquisite marvel which once only in all history could be vouchsafed. One other thing only compares with it, Only one other thing touches the springs of emotion as does the picture of the ships of Columbus drawing near the bright shores, and that is the thought of the choke in the throat of the immigrant of today as he gazes from the steerage deck at the land where he has been taught to believe, he in his turn shall find an earthly paradise, where, a free man, HE SHALL FORGET THE HEARTACHES OF THE OLD LIFE, AND ENTER INTO THE FULFILLMENT OF THE HOPE OF THE WORLD. FOR HAS NOT EVERY SHIP THAT HAS POINTED HER PROW WESTWARD borne HITHER THE HOPES OF GENERATION AFTER GENERATION OF THE OPPRESSED OF OTHER LANDS? HOW ALWAYS HAVE MEN'S HEARTS BEAT AS THEY SAW THE COAST OF AMERICA RISE TO THEIR VIEW! how it has always seemed to them that the dweller there would at last be rid of kings, of privileged classes, and of all those bonds which had kept men depressed and helpless, and would there realize the full fruition of his sense of honest manhood, would there be one of a great body of brothers, not seeking to defraud and deceive one another, but seeking to accomplish the general good. What was in the writings of the men who founded America to serve the selfish interests of America? Do you find that in their writings? No, to serve the cause of humanity, to bring liberty to mankind. They set up their standards here in America in the tenet of hope, as a beacon of encouragement to all the nations of the world, and men came thronging to these shores with an expectancy that never existed before, with a confidence they never dared feel before, and found here for generations together a haven of peace, of opportunity, of equality. God send that in the complicated state of modern affairs, we may recover the standards and repeat the achievements of that heroic age. For life is no longer the comparatively simple thing it was. Our relations one with another have been profoundly modified by the new agencies of rapid communication and transportation, tending swiftly to concentrate life, widen communities, fuse interests, and complicate all the processes of living. The individual is dizzily swept about in a thousand new whirlpools of activities. Tyranny has become more subtle, and has learned to wear the guise of mere industry, and even of benevolence. Freedom has become a somewhat different matter. It cannot, eternal principle that it is, It cannot have altered, yet it shows itself in new aspects. Perhaps it is only revealing its deeper meaning. What is liberty? I have long had an image in my mind of what constitutes liberty. Suppose that I were building a great piece of powerful machinery and suppose that I should so awkwardly and unskillfully assemble the parts of it that every time one part tried to move it would be interfered with by the others, and the whole thing would buckle up and be checked. Liberty for the several parts would consist in the best possible assembling and adjustment of them all, would it not? If you want the great piston of the engine to run with absolute freedom, give it absolutely perfect alignment and adjustment with the other parts of the machine, so that it is free, not because it is let alone or isolated, but because it has been associated most skillfully and carefully with the other parts of the great structure. What is liberty? You say of the locomotive that it runs free. What do you mean? You mean that its parts are so assembled and adjusted that friction is reduced to a minimum, and that it has perfect adjustment. We say of a boat skimming the water with light foot, quote, how free she runs, end quote, when we mean how perfectly she is adjusted to the force of the wind, How perfectly she obeys the great breath out of the heavens that fills her sails. Throw her head up into the wind and see how she will halt and stagger, how every sheet will shiver and her whole frame will be shaken, how instantly she is, "in irons," in the expressive phrase of the sea she is free only when you have let her fall off again and have recovered once more her nice adjustment to the forces she must obey and cannot defy human freedom consists in perfect adjustments of human interests and human activities and human energies now the adjustments necessary between individuals between individuals and the complex institutions amidst which they live, and between those institutions and the government, are infinitely more intricate today than ever before. No doubt this is a tiresome and roundabout way of saying the thing, yet perhaps it is worthwhile to get somewhat clearly in our mind what makes all the trouble today. Life has become complex, there are many more elements, more parts to it than ever before, and, therefore, it is harder to keep everything adjusted, and harder to find out where the trouble lies when the machine gets out of order. You know that one of the interesting things that Mr. Jefferson said in those early days of simplicity which marked the beginnings of our government, was that the best government consisted in as little governing as possible. And there is still a sense in which that is true. It is still intolerable for the government to interfere with our individual activities, except where it is necessary to interfere with them in order to free them. But I feel confident that if Jefferson were living in our day he would see what we see, that the individual is caught in a great confused nexus of all sorts of complicated circumstances, and that to let him alone is to leave him helpless as against the obstacles with which he has to contend, and that, Therefore, law in our day must come to the assistance of the individual. It must come to his assistance to see that he gets fair play, that is all, but that is much. Without the watchful interference, the resolute interference, of the government, there can be no fair play between individuals and such powerful institutions as the trusts. Freedom today is something more than being let alone. The program of a government of freedom must in these days be positive, not negative merely. Well, then, in this new sense and meaning of it, are we preserving freedom in this land of ours, the hope of all the earth? Have we... Inheritors of this continent and of the ideals to which the Fathers consecrated it, have we maintained them, realizing them, as each generation must, anew? Are we, in the consciousness that the life of man is pledged to higher levels here than elsewhere, striving still to bear aloft the standards of liberty and hope, or disillusioned and defeated are we feeling the disgrace of having had a free field in which to do new things and of not having done them the answer must be i am sure that we have been in a fair way of failure tragic failure and we stand in danger of utter failure yet except we fulfill speedily the determination we have reached to deal with the new and subtle tyrannies according to their deserts. Don't deceive yourselves for a moment as to the power of the great interests which now dominate our development. They are so great that it is almost an open question whether the government of the United States can dominate them or not. Go one step further make their organized power permanent, and it may be too late to turn back. The roads diverge at the point where we stand. They stretch their vistas out to regions where they are very far separated from one another, at the end of one is the old tiresome scene of government tied up with special interests, and at the other shines the liberating light of individual initiative, of individual liberty, of individual freedom, the light of untrammeled enterprise. I believe that that light shines out of the heavens itself that God has created. I believe in human liberty as I believe in the wine of life. There is no salvation for men in the pitiful condescensions of industrial masters. Guardians have no place in a land of freemen. Prosperity guaranteed by trustees has no prospect of endurance. Monopoly means the atrophy of enterprise. If monopoly persists, monopoly will always sit at the helm of the government. I do not expect to see Monopoly restrain itself. If there are men in this country big enough to own the government of the United States, they are going to own it. What we have to determine now is whether we are big enough, whether we are men enough, whether we are free enough to take possession again of the government which is our own. We haven't had free access to it, our minds have not touched it by way of guidance in half a generation, and now we are engaged in nothing less than the recovery of what was made with our own hands, and acts only by our delegated authority. I tell you, when you discuss the question of the tariffs and of the trusts, You are discussing the very lives of yourselves and your children. I believe that I am preaching the very cause of some of the gentlemen whom I am opposing when I preach the cause of free industry in the United States, for I think they are slowly girding the tree that bears the inestimable fruits of our life and that if they are permitted to gird it entirely, nature will take her revenge and the tree will die. I do not believe that America is securely great because she has great men in her now. America is great in proportion as she can make sure of having great men in the next generation. She is rich in her unborn children. Rich, that is to say... If those unborn children see the sun in a day of opportunity, see the sun when they are free to exercise their energies as they will. If they open their eyes in a land where there is no special privilege, then we shall come into a new era of American greatness and American liberty. But if they open their eyes in a country where they must be employees or nothing, if they open their eyes in a land of merely regulated monopoly, where all the conditions of industry are determined by small groups of men, then they will see an America such as the founders of this republic would have wept to think of. The only hope is in the release of the forces which philanthropic trust presidents want to monopolize. Only the emancipation the freeing and heartening of the vital energies of all the people will redeem us. In all that I may have to do in public affairs in the United States, I am going to think of towns such as I have seen in Indiana, towns of the old American pattern, that own and operate their own industries, hopefully and happily. My thought is going to be bent upon the multiplication of towns of that kind and the prevention of the concentration of industry in this country in such a fashion and upon such a scale that towns that own themselves will be impossible. You know what the vitality of America consists of? Its vitality does not lie in New York, nor in Chicago. It will not be sapped by anything that happens in St. Louis. The vitality of America lies in the brains, the energies, the enterprise of the people throughout the land, in the efficiency of their factories and in the richness of the fields that stretch beyond the borders of the town in the wealth which they extract from nature and originate for themselves through the inventive genius characteristic of all free American communities. That is the wealth of America. And if America discourages the locality, the community, the self-contained town, she will kill the nation. A nation is as rich as her free communities she is not as rich as her capital city or her metropolis. The amount of money in Wall Street is no indication of the wealth of the American people. That indication can be found only in the fertility of the American mind and the productivity of American industry everywhere throughout the United States. If America were not rich and fertile, there would be no money in Wall Street. If Americans were not vital and able to take care of themselves, the great money exchanges would break down. The welfare, the very existence of the nation, rests at last upon the great mass of the people. Its prosperity depends at last upon the spirit in which they go about their work in their several communities throughout the broad land. In proportion as her towns and her countrysides are happy and hopeful, will America realize the high ambitions which have marked her in the eyes of all the world. The welfare, the happiness, the energy and spirit of the men and women who do the daily work in our mines and factories, on our railroads, in our offices and ports of trade, on our farms and on the sea, is the underlying necessity of all prosperity. There can be nothing wholesome unless their life is wholesome. There can be no contentment unless they are contented. Their physical welfare affects the soundness of the whole nation. How would it suit the prosperity of the United States, How would it suit business, to have people that went every day sadly or sullenly to their work? How would the future look to you if you felt that the aspiration had gone out of most men, the confidence of success, the hope that they might improve their condition? Do you not see that just as soon as the old confidence of America just as soon as her old boasted advantage of individual liberty and opportunity is taken away, all the energy of her people begins to subside, to slacken, to grow loose and pulpy, without fiber, and men simply cast about to see that the day does not end disastrously with them, So we must put heart into the people by taking the heartlessness out of politics, business, and industry. We have got to make politics a thing in which an honest man can take his part with satisfaction, because he knows that his opinion will count as much as the next man's, and that the boss and the interests have been dethroned. Business we have got to untrammel, abolishing tariff favors, and railroad discrimination, and credit denials, and all forms of unjust handicaps against the little man. Industry we have got to humanize, not through the trusts, but through the direct action of law guaranteeing protection against dangers and compensation for injuries guaranteeing sanitary conditions, proper hours, the right to organize, and all the other things which the conscience of the country demands as the working man's right. We have got to cheer and inspirit our people with the sure prospects of social justice and due reward, with the vision of the open gates of opportunity for all, We have got to set the energy and the initiative of this great people absolutely free, so that the future of America will be greater than the past, so that the pride of America will grow with achievement, so that America will know as she advances from generation to generation that each brood of her sons is greater and more enlightened than that which preceded it, know that she is fulfilling the promise that she has made to mankind. Such is the vision of some of us who now come to assist in its realization. For we Democrats would not have endured this long burden of exile if we had not seen a vision. We could have traded, we could have got into the game, we could have surrendered and made terms, We could have played the role of patrons to the men who wanted to dominate the interests of the country, and here and there gentlemen who pretended to be of us did make those arrangements. They couldn't stand privation. You never can stand it unless you have within you some imperishable food upon which to sustain life and courage, the food of those visions of the Spirit where a table is set before us laden with palatable fruits, the fruits of hope, the fruits of imagination, those invisible things of the Spirit which are the only things upon which we can sustain ourselves through this weary world without fainting. We have carried in our minds after you had thought you had obscured and blurred them, the ideals of those men who first set their foot upon America, those little bands who came to make a foothold in the wilderness, because the great teeming nations that they had left behind them had forgotten what human liberty was, liberty of thought, liberty of religion, liberty of residence, liberty of action since their day the meaning of liberty has deepened. But it has not ceased to be a fundamental demand of the human spirit, a fundamental necessity for the life of the soul. And the day is at hand when it shall be realized on this consecrated soil, a new freedom, a liberty widened and deepened to match the broadened life of man in modern America restoring to him in very truth and control of his government, throwing wide all gates of lawful enterprise, unfettering his energies, and warming the generous impulses of his heart, a process of release, emancipation, and inspiration, full of a breath of life as sweet and wholesome as the airs that filled the sails of the caravels of Columbus, and gave the promise and boast of magnificent opportunity in which America dare not fail. and of The Liberation of a People's Vital Energies